Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 38 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for listening and finding the show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. I'm going to start off this week by asking a small favour, and that is if you have at some stage enjoyed either one of the previous episodes or if you uh, enjoy this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could either share it or tell a friend or two. Anyway, this week's guest is Prue Church, all the way from New Zealand. But first, in some doggy news, in Sabonga, in the Philippines, a motorcycle rider was a little concerned at a dog that had chased him down and was barking at him. Uh, He stopped the dog turned around and then seemingly wanting the motorcyclist to follow him, which he did. Uh, the dog then led the motorcycle rider to a abandoned newborn baby. So they saved the uh, baby and a couple of days later they tracked down the dog which wasn't a stray but belonged to uh, some locals there. Uh, His name was Blackie and it's reported that Baby is doing well in hospital and Blackie is now a local hero. And in a somewhat similar story in Ohio in the US, uh, locals were alerted to um, something going on with a dog barking and chasing after a car leaving the local cemetery on investigation. Uh, They found a little three-year-old boy and the dog left in the cemetery. Authorities have taken both the child and the dog and they're doing all right and are continuing investigations. And now this week's interview. Welcome to the Relax Dog Podcast. I am here with Prue Church, all the way from New Zealand. How are you? Good, thanks, Rob. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Who are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about my old dog, Sirius. And Sirius is, she will be 12 in April. And uh, so she's 11 and three quarters. She's a black Labrador. And we've had Sirius since she's been seven weeks old. Wonderful. So we're going to have tea and bones on the lawn for her 12th birthday and we'll invite all her dog friends and there'll be cake, cake, cake and tea for the people and bones for the dogs. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, as per usual, I'm going to ask you to take us back in time just before that you got serious and tell us the how and why you guys got together. Okay. We, we, had, an, we had another dog called Asterix, 
and Asterix was a black Labrador as well. And when he was six, we decided that we should have another Labrador. Um, and so we arranged for the same breeder that we got Asterix from to have a, a, female, a, a, a female dog. And she was going to be a yellow Labrador. But the day we went to pick her up from the breeder, she suddenly turned black because someone else wanted the yellow one. So we ended up with Sirius. <laughs> <laughs> and all the way home in the car, she yelped and she whined and she cried and she barked and she made a real nuisance of herself. And we thought, oh, my gosh, what have we got into here? So that's how we came by getting serious. And we took her home and the old six-year-old Labrador Asterix looked at this pup and she sort of said, well, she's very nice, but when's she going home? <laughs> When she got and Sirius made Asterix's life a misery. She leapt all over him. She bit him. She did everything. And he just put up with it and said, I know she's going home. She must be going home sometime soon. Anyway, he got used to her and she stayed. And um, every morning she, she'd get up and she'd go and jump all over Asterix and he'd go, oh, get off me, get off me. But I'm, I think he loved it. So that that was the story about Sirius. And then when, um, well, we, we took Sirius to obedience training and she actually did very well at obedience and uh, she, she won some ribbons and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then when she was two, um, we, we were living in, in New Zealand in the middle of the North Island and we had a friend who had... Um, oak trees, which he had, uh, which had truffle inoculation on the roots, and he, we were here, here with Martin, and and he said, "How am I going to find truffles? You know, I've got these trees that are four or five years old, and I don't know how to find the truffles." And I said, "Oh, I'll teach Sirius to find truffles." So we did. Right, and so and have you heard of? Anyone else doing that at the time? Um, I must have. I'm, I must have because I just said, look, I'll teach the dog to to look for truffles. And so I, I, I probably went online and had a look and, and said, well, how do you find truffles? And, and I looked up truffle training for dogs and all the rest of it. Everything's available on the internet now. Mm -hmm. So I got hold of some truffle oil. And uh, I started off by um, I put a drop of truffle oil on a piece of um, makeup remover pad and I put it in front of the dog and I'd say, fine. And as soon as she looked at the truffle or the, or, the, or the piece of cloth, I'd give her a reward. And so it was just repetition, repetition, repetition. And then eventually I got hold of some real truffle and so we started hiding it under a, a mat, under a cushion, um, and she'd find that. And every time she found it, she'd get a reward. And then we'd take it outside. So I'd take the truffle outside and I'd put it under a, under a bush and then I'd hide it under some leaf litter. And eventually we'd start, I'd start burying the truffle under the ground in a container, of course, otherwise I'd lose it. 
And um, so she got to hunt for truffles. Nice. And where we were living um, in the middle of the North Island, there were about 10,000 trees, oak trees, and I think they were mainly oak trees and might might have been hazels, and they were inoculated with truffles or they were supposed to have been inoculated with truffles, and there were 10,000 trees around the area that we lived in. So we'd go um, practising in the truffle trees, and then we started hunting for truffles for people. And, you know, in those 10,000 trees, we never found a truffle. Gosh, <laughs> it was, and, of course, I'm thinking, my dog's useless. How can I how, – how can this be? How can I have such a useless dog? Yeah. Anyway, we went further afield, and we went to this place, oh, probably an hour and a half's drive from where we live, and these people had just taken over this farm and they had some trees inoculated with truffles, and, and we took Sirius in there, and we said – Sirius, find the truffles. And she went to the trees and she found these beautiful, beautiful truffles. And I thought, hallelujah, my dog's not useless. There are no truffles to find in those other trees. The dog's fine. She's great. And she found these beautiful truffles in this overgrown paddock. So we said to the um, person who owned the truffle trees, this is is great, we've got truffles here, but you need to actually weed and clear up under the trees. So, of course, they were farmers. So what did they do? They (laughs) they flashed. (laughs) They knew under the trees and and the ground was all ploughed up with the tractor. And I came back a month later, it was like, uh, any truffles are going to be absolutely dead and gone now because you've ripped them all up. Anyway, so we knew the dog wasn't wasn't useless, and she went she went to um, to find many many truffles and become an in demand truffle dog. And in the meantime, that after a couple of years, we we got another little dog called Perigord. We called a Perigord after a truffle. And um, so as you thought, do, <laughs> as you do, yeah. Well, she her name was Zippy, and then it was Peppy, and we thought, mm, I don't think so. So we called her Perry, Perry Gord. So she started finding truffles with Sirius as well. So they they hunted around for three or four years in New Zealand, um, hunting for truffles all around the North Island. Um. And is that, then is that we, like a, a seasonal thing? And, and yes, yes. Truffle season is winter winter only. Uh, so in the southern hemisphere, it goes basically from June, July, August are, are the truffle months. might be a little bit earlier or a little bit later, but pretty much the middle of winter. Okay. So it would be cold, <laughs> yeah, hunting for truffles. And, and how far did you guys sort of travel around in New Zealand? Was there like a high demand that you had to go a long distance? Well, well, we did because 
the the North Islands, we probably travelled about 600k um, from one end of the North Island to the other, um, various places hunting for truffles, just just as it is in Australia. Um, so we hunted, we probably hunt for 20, 25 different growers with, you know, varying amounts of success. And, uh, and obviously Sirius is all right in the car? Oh, loves it. <laughs> they love going in the car. Our dogs love the car. Get in the car and they're in. And we, when we're travelling big distances, you know, we might be travelling for six hours. They love it. They just settle in and you just stop to give them a toilet break and a drink and lunch and then they're good to go again. They all love, love the car. We've got three dogs, so they all love travelling in the car. And when Sirius and, and her partners are, are working, what's the sort of what sort of schedule would they be doing? Um, we... Usually we work for three, four, five hours. Um, so we'd uh, we'd start pretty early in the morning because early morning's better. There's there's little wind. Um, it's usually the weather's probably better in the early morning, and so the dogs we'd give them a break. Sometimes you know. Sirius was a good worker. She really worked. She'd work long hours and be quite happy doing it. So she might work for an hour without a break, and that's a long time to work for a dog, yes, especially when, when, especially when they're finding a lot of truffle. Um, you know, she she might find five kilos of truffle in, in an hour, and that's a lot of sniffing and snuffling around. And when she finds a truffle, she just scratches the ground and then she turns her head and she looks at me and she says, here it is, where's my reward? <laughs> <laughs> She's got real doggitude, this dog, I can tell you. <laughs> ah, that's and nice. <laughs> all my are trained with food and the, I know a lot of people, um, train, especially working dogs, are trained with um uh, ball treats and tug toys and things like that. And the reason I use food and I use little squares of cheese is that when they're hunting for truffles, they might find a lot of truffles. And if you throw a ball or t- do a tug toy every time they find a truffle, they're going to be exhausted in 20 minutes. And they might have to work, you know, up to three hours in a day. So a piece of cheese works much better for, for dogs that are finding a lot of lot of stuff. And and they they know if they find truffle they get cheese and she won't move. So if she finds a truffle and she doesn't get her cheese, it's like, no, no, no. Just give me my cheese and I'll move on. <laughs> He's very stubborn. <laughs> nice, nice. Those are very smart dogs. <laughs> And do you find her using her nose excessively uh, at home? Oh, look, she's a lunch mechanic, this dog. (laughs) She's the smartest and naughtiest dog I know. And it's hard for a dog to be naughty because definition of naughty is that the dog actually knows what she's doing wrong and makes a deliberate choice, and Sirius does that. 
Look, she she never forgets. She's food obsessed, and she's been known to get into horse food, bird food, dead kangaroos, goat food, chicken feed, chocolate, rat poison, and she's a she's a bench surfer. She, she's been up known to sit up on a bench, jump up onto a bench, and sit there and just look at you and say, "Well, okay." <laughs> so what do you? <laughs> I usually wait until later on in the interview to ask, but I'll ask, since you've just uh, mentioned a few things, I'll uh, ask you to complete the sentence. I can't believe my dog ate rat poison. Oh, that's not good. Twice. Twice. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the silly thing about it, it was in Brisbane, and. We were visiting friends and he, he had had a problem with rats because he had birds and Sirius ate some rat poison. And so we went online and thought, oh, what do we do here? So we took it to the vet and they they make us sick and then give her vitamins, vitamin D to counteract the rat poison. So that was okay. And it was just lucky that you actually know that she's eaten it. And and because a week later it's way too late, and and then we went back to see our friend a year later, and I said to him, "Now have you got rid of all that rat poison?" Yeah, 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 no, no problem, no rat poison around. Well, there was, there was, there was rat poison under a a toolbox inside the front door, and Sirius found it, and she ate it again. Oh, so another trip, another four hundred dollar trip to the vet. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, the other thing we found her up on a bench was eating um, a packet of biscuits and two pa- packets of marshmallows. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> um, she gets into my garden and she strips the ripe tomatoes off the vine and eats them. Okay, not sure yeah. what the toxicity of a lot of tomatoes is. <laughs> it, it's not. Oh. The dog's still strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, mentioning the vet, how is, apart from those couple of trips, has she had any other serious issues that she's had to go to the vet for? Oh, look, she's getting old and, and she's got a lot of lumps and bumps on her. She's had pancreatitis. She's got, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, is it spindolosis or something, which is a spinal yeah, spinal nerve thing. So um, she has, oh, and she, she's got a heart murmur. So this dog is costing me at the moment probably about ten to twelve dollars a day on medications. But what do you do? Oh, she's a great. You do anything and everything you can, just about yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So she, she's and she's officially retired now. So um, she's. She's a supervisor dog now, but um, so she doesn't walk very far anymore or, or do much. She, we just let her do as much as she wants to do or doesn't want to do. Mm. So she spends a lot, lot more time sleeping now. <laughs> so as well as, well as we, we moved back to Australia in 2015 and uh, we got another dog, a Belgian Shepherd called Kath. 
And as I said, we'd find about mm, 500 kilos of truffles per year in around um, New South Wales, um, mostly around the um, Canberra, Goulburn, uh, Southern Highlands, Southern Tablelands area. Um, and then we decided to do something else as well. So we trained, I trained them to hunt for narcotics. So they did that and they did a little bit of work on film sets and, you know, houses and warehouses looking for narcotics. But it's it's difficult area with the government regulations and that to, to actually do a lot in. Um, so then, and because the the dogs are trained to hunt for smells, it's easy for them to learn to find new smells. So pretty much um, you can give them a sniff of something and then say, well, here it is. And they say, oh, you want me to find this now? So they do. And Sirius is really a very clever dog. She, she, she doesn't miss too much. Mm. I, so think, then, I think that yeah. even for it's uh, for even general pet dog people, it's it's an area where they most people don't really sort of like use the dog's nose as what is what it's intended to do, as in as in playing games, getting them to sniff out yeah. things, hiding food yeah. and, and and toys and things like that. And the, yeah. the, most dogs love doing that sort of stuff. And they do. Exercises their, their mind and, and body. Yep. Yep. And especially if they've got a reward, you know, you give them a piece of cheese or something. Um, they're clever animals. They 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 know what they're looking for. The 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 last thing I've taught them to hunt for is ambergris. Uh, sorry? No. Ambergris. Ambergris, ambergris. Now, ambergris is <sighs> created by sperm whales and when the sperm, only sperm whales, the sperm whales eat squid and when they swallow the squid, they can't digest the beak. So their gut, this is simplified, produces this waxy substance that encases the squid beaks. A bit like a pearl with an oyster, oyster with a pearl. Okay. Yeah. And eventually the whale excretes this ball of wax with these um, squid beaks in it. And because it's a waxy substance, it floats. So it gets churned around in the sea for, for a while. And then sometimes it um, washes up on shore and and it's highly prized because they use it in perfume. So the very expensive perfumes probably still use ambergris. And wow. it's it is really, really expensive. I think I think if you found a really good kilogram block of it, you'd be looking at sixty thousand dollars. Wow, and I'm guessing you don't find them too often. Well, you don't. You don't. And it's pretty random, but 
the and in Australia it's illegal. You're not allowed to actually um, possess it. I don't think so. You can't sell it. In New Zealand, you can. So we can go hunting for it in New Zealand along along the beaches, and the dogs have. I've managed to get hold of a couple of small pieces of ambergris, and they've worked out. Took them one day to work out. Oh, this is the new smell. Thank you. We'll we'll look for that for you. So we go to the beach, and they trot along the beach, and um, and look for ambergris as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there is there a lot of difference between looking for the truffles that and or do you think Sirius has any difference between in New Zealand and in New South Wales and Australia? No, I think the truffles are the, pretty much the same smell. I, I don't think there's there are different types of truffle, of course, um, but essentially it's it's the same smell. The underlying odor is. Ex- is the same. Okay. Um, so I think the difference here is the quantity that that is available to find. Uh, we could hunt for – we hunted um, in a trophy year with 600 trees and we found one tree with truffle under. So your dog finds one tree in 600 with truffle under. Hmm. Not for, it's not a very good um, uh, percentage-wise outcome, especially for the grower. Well, I guess if it's not there, they're not there. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, you've got to trust your dog to know what they're doing. If, if the truffle's there, they will find it. That's, that's what their job is. And they know that. And they know they don't false indicate because they know that if I can't see the truffle, or smell the truffle, there's no cigar. <laughs> I have to see it or smell it, and then they get a reward. And they know that, so they don't false indicate. Otherwise, you get a dog that scratched under every tree, got a reward, and then there's nothing there. Mm. Um, if uh, Sirius had a pre- uh, preference, do you think yep. she'd like to – Sniff for truffles or sniff along the beach for the, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, ambergui. Ambergris. <laughs> ambergris. Uh, hmm, good question. I think probably she she knows so much about hunting for truffles that she's probably more comfortable hunting truffle. And especially as she's older, um, sometimes the rocky the rocky beach is a bit hard to walk on for her, and she's not as balanced on her feet probably as she used to be. So I think she's probably more comfortable hunting for truffles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but both both of them are pretty much um, on the ground things. Like you you don't find you don't find truffles up on a wardrobe or, you know, at the top of a cupboard or anything um, like you like you might with narcotics, whereas truffles and ambergris are both on the ground. So dogs sort of put nose down and can just 
shuffle along looking for whatever. Okay. Did um, How did you find flying well, when you came back over to Australia and was there any difference in coming over to Australia and then returning to New Zealand? Um, yeah, there is. Um, and our dogs have flown both ways about three times each, so <laughs> they're old hands at it. <laughs> um, Sirius hates being in a crate. And I tried to crate train her, failed miserably, and I'd put her food in the crate and she'd go, thank you very much. Now I'm ready to get out of this crate. She hates it. So um, she just has to suck it up when she's flying. But in if you're coming from Australia to New Zealand, the dogs have to get tested for babesia and heartworm, both of which are parasitic um, parasites and that are not in New Zealand. So they have to get those tests. If they have either, they can't fly and have to have a retest. Um, but usual vet checks, you know, heart, lungs, whatever they do for vet checks, um, uh, parasites, fleas, ticks, worms, all, all the rest of it. But if they're flying from New Zealand to Australia, there's no babesia and heartworm here, so they don't have to have those tests. They only have to have the flea, tick and worm um, things. Um, between Australia and New Zealand is far easier than any other countries, I think. And there's no quarantine. So you can put your dog into, we use jet pets, um, into their kennels the night before they fly and then pick them up at the other end off the plane once they've cleared the vet check. So it's really, really quite easy. Expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fly first class with a price that costs the same one dog. Okay, I was going to sort of ask that. I've been thinking, I think a lot of people in Australia, if they're going for an extended holiday in New Zealand, and, and particularly now in COVID times, yeah. because that's probably yeah. going to open up sometime during the year and it's looking like maybe the only place to go. Yeah. People travelling with their with their pets, it's a, yeah. an option they would look at. Yeah, well, as as long as they have the heartworm and babesia um, tests, it, it's pretty easy. Um, I think it works out to about $1,500 a dog plus vet expenses, so somewhere between fifteen dollars and $1,800 probably. Okay. Is and that with, one with way or, dog, or two ways? No, no, one way. One way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And people say, oh, will you come back to Australia and truffle hunt for us next season? I'm going, well, you know, $5,000 for three dogs one way, it gets pretty expensive. Mm. So, yeah. But we wouldn't have left them behind. There's no <laughs> way. But uh, Sirius is getting on now, so she's probably unlikely to make another aeroplane um, flight at all. Mm-hmm. So when she was younger, I'm guessing she went on quite a few outside adventures. Yeah, she did. Um, we we, we travelled a lot, especially truffle hunting, and uh, so she, 
you know, we travel thousands of kilometres, probably tw about 12,000 kilometres per year, truffle hunting. Because most of it, um, especially based in Southern Highlands, we probably travelled an average of an hour and a half to each truffier to hunt for truffles. So it's three hours travelling a day, sorry, six hours travel up to, no, three hours travelling a day plus, say, three or four hours working. So that was pretty much a whole day gone. Um, so in the season we would work um, six out of seven days because one day I had to do the washing. <laughs> we ran out of <laughs> Um, so we try and have one day off a week, but sometimes we didn't. But that's just the way it is. You know, when the work's there, you just have to get stuck in and do it. And um, But we met some fabulous people and saw some great properties truffle hunting. We, we, do, we do miss it in Australia because it was such good fun and we, we just – we were just so busy and everyone sort of said, are you coming back next year? Are you coming back next year? And they'd book us in a year before we actually, you know, when you're back next year, we want you to hunt for us. Some people we hunt for twice a, twice a week and some maybe once every 10 days or every couple of weeks or something. So we were pretty busy. She was a very popular dog. I was going to say, and did many of those places have their own dogs? Um, some of them did. Um, what what we usually found though was that a lot of people would say, "Oh, you know, my my dog's a great hunter. Yeah, it knows what it's doing." And we'd go in and seriously go, "Well, hang on, you missed this. You missed this. You missed this. You missed this." And I think just doing it professionally. There is there is quite a difference between someone just using their pet dog because um, it's easy not to train your dog. Mm -hmm. You know, people, you get home at night and it's six o'clock and you think, oh, I need to sit down, I need to have a drink, I need to have dinner, da-da-da. Oh, I've got to train the dog. Oh, I can't be bothered. So it's easy to miss, whereas we, we try and train – Every day, and it might only be for ten minutes, but we do something every day. And I think that you have to be consistent, and you have to be persistent. Absolutely. Other, it, otherwise, you just it just doesn't work. No, and like, and like you just said, it, uh, ten minutes a day isn't all that much. And if a lot more people spent at least that amount of time with their with their yeah. dogs and pet dogs, uh, it'd be a, a lot better relationship. I think so because it, it's not about training your dog. It's about re I think it's about relating to your dog, understanding your dog, and the dog understanding what you want. Like I can say, to Sirius will go back to the same place and try and get another treat, and I say to her. We've been there. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, okay. You, I've, you've caught me. Okay, I'll just move on. <laughs> doesn't stop her trying, but she knows when I say, been there, move on. <laughs> what sort of other games does she like to play? She loves to chase a ball, but she's really getting too old to chase the ball now. So just a little little tiny chase and she she's really happy she loves the ball 
That's probably her favourite. She used to love swimming. She's not so keen on swimming now, but um, she still loves the ball and she loves getting in the truck and going for a drive. She settles down on the feet and she slow down and she sits up and sort of says, are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> Has Sirius got what you would call any uh, unique habits? <laughs> Well, I don't know any other dogs that strip tomato plants. <laughs> oh, I, I also grew some nectarines on a new tree this year. She ate them all. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's showing a bit of dexterity getting up there. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, she's she's pretty naughty at times. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, she she's just serious. She she eats everything. I think her main th- she she would love to be a fat dog. That's that's her life to be a fat dog. <laughs> well, I guess we, that's, we had that's a, a good sort of uh, a balancing is that she's you know being active and and working and using her nose, and then she gets to have a little bit of a naughty treat every now and then. Yeah, 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 she does. She she broke into a lady's handbag once and found a whole block of chocolate and ate that. Because I got in a pack and go, oh, chocolate, my dog's going to die. So I raced online, of course, said, how much can a 30-kilo dog eat? And it's much more than 250 grams. So <laughs> it wasn't fatal. Oh, thankfully, yep. With the, oh, the chocolate, it's the uh, the dark, the darker, the worse it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have got no idea how fast she is around food. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, yeah, no, it's a she is a lab, so labs yep. and food. Yeah, not that I'm stereotyping yeah. breeds. <laughs> well, well, you will eat. But have you ever found a Labrador that's not food driven? <laughs> Even the vets say, if your lab doesn't eat, bring it in quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's got a few medical issues now, so, uh, but she's she's been a great old dog and she continues to be a great old dog. And boy, can she snore. (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned snoring. Where does the pack sleep? Um, They've got their own couch. So they, they they sleep on their own couch. We bought a couch especially for the dogs, as you do. Uh, it's got a nice and um, so so they sleep there. Which, or in the summer, they like to sort of stretch out on the cooler floor a bit, and uh, they're not so fussed on warm places in the summer. But uh, generally, they sleep on their couch. And so, obviously, they spend a, a fair bit of time inside. And what about yeah. outside? Are they got much of a, a yard to, to run around with where, they, where you are? We've got he- heaps of room here. We had 350 acres in Australia, so they had heaps of room. But you know what? They don't go anywhere. <laughs> they would take the route and they'd chase, chase it to the tree line, which was about 150 metres away, and that was it. Um, but they could go anywhere here, 
and they just don't. If we're inside, they're inside. If we're out in the garden, they're out in the garden. Where we are, our dogs are. Oh, I can relate very much to that. Well, that they don't run. Virtually, which room are you in? I'll just hang around here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're all, all here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's what we do. So you just mentioned uh, the ruse. Has she had much interaction with other wildlife? Um, the deader and r- smelly of the kangaroo, the better for Sirius. <laughs> Um, um, no, she's she's not. She doesn't really care about other animals, so she doesn't she doesn't go chasing stuff or anything like that. Um, no, no horses, goats, no nothing. She she she's pretty relaxed around mo- most animals. Oh, I know. She's scared stiff of pigs. Now, I don't know why, but if she smells a pig, the tail goes between her legs and she's saying, uh, I'm out of here, let me out, let me out, let me out. And she is so scared of, she's terrified of pigs. Oh, okay. Now, there's no, no reason for that, no, none at all, but that's serious. <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> so, I was going to say, were you? Mentioned pigs and didn't come to my mind before, but I've definitely heard of uh, people training pigs to search out truffles as well. Yeah, yeah. They used to use pigs in in France and Italy. Um, The problem with using pigs is that pigs really love truffles. (laughs) I remember hearing that too. Right, to get to the truffle before the pig ate it. And... I think in the old days, many a truffle hunter with his pig had um, lost fingers to the pig getting the fingers and the truffle. So, and, you know, pigs don't, pigs aren't good look in the truck travelling around anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. How do you go stay in a motel and say, look, I want to bring my pig with me? (laughs) It's hard enough. Trying to get them to uh, accept dogs sometimes, but pigs, no. <laughs> um, grooming wise, how is she enjoy bath time and stuff like that? Uh, she doesn't mind. Um, she loves being brushed. You know, she just loves getting brushed. And you know what? When I blow dry my hair, she loves getting blow dried. <laughs> she comes. <laughs> to blow dry her back in a tummy. <laughs> the other dogs hate it, but uh, she loves it. <laughs> yeah, she's labs are pretty easy care dogs. They need a bit, little bit of brushing because they've got the double coat, but um, they're pretty easy care. Uh, and she doesn't mind. Time. Very nice. Very nice. So she's uh, enjoying... Retirement, or you think that she's, you know, well, got that yearning to, to get out still all the time? Well, I I kind of think she's a bit like Mick Jagger, you know, the ageing rock star. Mm-hmm. She's like that. She keeps coming back for another gig. 
<laughs> because if she if she knows that the other girls are hunting and they're getting rewarded for finding stuff, she wants to be there. She hates missing out because she knows there's food involved. She just wants to be hunting and in in the action. So we try and give her a little turn for for a while at least, so she has a a bit of a chance. But I don't I don't know that she'll be doing too much hunting this year. But we'll wait and see. Has, see how she goes. Yeah, as um the the current sort of world situation with COVID will will that affect much of what you guys do this year? Um. We were a bit lucky last year because the um, the lockdown period sort of ended just before the truffle season started because we started truffle hunting in end of May, beginning of June, and the lockdown period was pretty much over by then, so we could actually travel and hunt for truffles. Um, if they locked the country down again, over that winter period, I, I guess we would have problems travelling. Um, and I, there's probably not a lot of options for people to harvest their truffles. It, it's like all the farmers, they're all having the same problem. At, at, at this time, they can't get enough people to pick their fruit or look after their orchards or anything. So, um, and I think it'll, it would be the same for truffle hunting as well. Yeah, we've got a uh, very similar problem here where they're saying that exact thing where the, mm. the backpackers and people aren't, aren't here to do that. Mm. Um, no, they're not. And, 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 I, and I think we're going to notice that things, fruit and veggies and stuff, are going to get very, very expensive. That's true. Yeah, yeah. With no one to pick them. We're, a few, we're quite a lot of other people that aren't working through, you know, the cause of COVID, but I don't know, maybe the different governments should see about making things easier for the, those people to possibly help out in this sort of instance. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have any answers to it. You know, there's, there's always reasons why people can't travel. You know, it might be that they have to drive three hours to go and find a fruit picking job and then they've got to get accommodation and all the rest of it. So I think, I think the, the, it's harder than it appears. But uh, time will tell. But I think we're going to all be paying a lot more for some of our produce. And, and I know in New Zealand here at the moment, they've got containers stacked up on wharves and they just can't clear them out fast enough. And so the shelves are empty of a lot of goods where, and the ships are travelling around trying to drop stuff off in all sorts of places. So I don't know. It's all changed a bit, hasn't it, Rob? Uh, yes, the world is a, well... <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, suppose I have to, to ask, with all the sniffing that Sirius was doing, did you do anything different in regard to, say, nose care for her or anything like that? No. No. I, I, I think probably the only thing we probably did was to give her a rest. So 
you know, she might, she might work for half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour, and then you'd put another dog on for 20 minutes, half an hour. So it's just resting them up a bit. Um, and after three hours of working, they'd be pretty tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'd just sleep the rest of the day quite happily. Because oh. it, it, I think probably if they're sniffing for three hours, truffle hunting or, or hunting for anything, um, they'd be, it, I reckon it'd be like doing back-to-back exams in the classroom, like mentally absolutely exhausting. Because that's pretty much what it is. The nose is attached to the brain and they, that it's really tiring for them to do that work. Absolutely, and the, the, just that yeah. concentration. Yeah, yeah. But they—they're such. They've got such a keen sense of smell. They can sniff out anything. You know, they're teaching dogs to hunt for, uh, to look for COVIDs, for cancer, for all sorts of um, diseases. Um, what was it I was reading about the other day? Can't remember now. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, um, American fowl brood disease in bees. Um, all sorts of things that you'd never ever think of, but the dog still has a better nose than any mechanical or electronic device. Absolutely. And I think mm, with, mm. we're only getting to, to utilize that more and more and getting mm. to, to work in partnership with them because it's, a, it's mm. a, I think, a booming area using canines for all that sort of stuff. I yeah. saw a, a clip on Facebook not that long ago where they, uh-huh. and I can't remember what the scent was, but they put it in a tin and they threw it in a lake and then they crisscrossed the lake uh, in a boat with a dog on the boat and got the dog yeah. to basically indicate where that uh, scent tin, and this was you yeah. know, several metres in, into the water. I can't remember how many metres down, but it also was went into the, the silt and the mud underneath in, in the water, and the dog oh. got it spot on. I think I saw that, and it was it was a cadaver dog. Yeah, actually, and yeah, I think it was. My, yep. It, it, and it was in Scotland, I think, because I saw that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, how clever is that? Yep. You know, how, how amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So they're pretty clever. But it, I guess for me, training dogs to hunt for things is quite easy. You need a dog with a, a pointy-end nose. Like I'd, I'd never choose a, a French bulldog or a bulldog or a box or any of those squashy-faced dogs. Um, to hunt for scents, and you need a dog that's willing to work. <laughs> and and that, that's pretty much it. And then you've just got to bond with your dog and know what your dog's doing and when it's telling you something, when it's not telling you something. You've got to know when your dog's looking for a truffle or, hey, there's, there's a smell of a rabbit there and I'm looking at that, or a fox smell. And you, you get to know that your dog's actually on the job or not on the job. And that, that's what my job is, watch my dog. That's it. Uh, it sounds like you know, Sirius was 
sort of found her niche in going for the truffles. Oh, yeah, she 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 has been an amazing truffle dog. You know, she she can hunt for narcotics, she can hunt for ambergris, and it's just for the, for her it's just another smell. It's like, oh, you want me to look for this smell now? Okay, I can do that, and she does. Because when we're training, I, I interchange the scents for them. So some days we'll say look for methamphetamine. The next day we'll look for ambergris. Then we'll look for truffle. And I don't tell them, I don't give them a hint of what we're looking for. I just say to them, find. And then it's up to them to go and find it. And they always find it. doesn't matter what the smell is. If it's a smell that they've been trained to find, I'll find a smell. Oh, nice. Pretty cool, isn't it? Absolutely. She's been a very talkative dog. She's she always lets you know what she wants in no uncertain terms. Like, I want to go out, let me out. So she'll stand at the door and she'll go, woof, let me out. Or woof, let me in. Or I'm in the garden, woof, and I don't want to jump down on my own, so woof, come and lift, lift me out of the garden after I've stripped all the tomatoes for you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a video of her stripping off tomatoes. <laughs> Funny old dog. But, no, she, she's, she's been a wonderful, wonderful dog, and uh, they're, they're smart dogs, Labradors. And I don't think they're the easiest dogs to train because I, she's she's a thinking dog. And you can actually see when you're watching her, you can see her thinking about what she's doing. And she'll be walking along a row of trees and she'll go, hmm, hang on. And she'll go back. She'll say, hmm, I know there's something here that I've missed there, so I'm going to go back for that. And you can see her her, her, her thinking about what she's doing. I think she thinks more than the other dogs do. Mm. Hmm. Well, thank you very, very much for sharing all about the life of, of Sirius and for educating me about <laughs> finding truffles and the other ambiguous. You're, <laughs> you're, you're going to go find and look that up now, aren't you? I am. <laughs> As, as there's anyone who's going to listen to this podcast, they're all going to say, Ambergris, what is Let me go and look that up. Yeah, something to do with whales, with sperm whales. <laughs> Only sperm whales, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, it's been great, and I hope everyone's enjoyed listening about Sirius and the other dogs, of course, and what we do. Um, there's not too many of us looking for truffles around the place, but there's a few. I'm, I'm sure they have. Um, do you want to uh, give out any of your work details for the rest of the pack that are still doing the, the truffle hunting? As in what, website address? Yeah, feel free to, to do that. I'll give that, we'll give that a plug. Well, we're, we're, we're at um, truffledogs.nz. That's our website address. It's a nice, easy one to remember. Certainly is. So, yep. Yep. Carry on. I was going to say again, thank you very much, and uh, look forward to catching up in the future. Thank you, Rob. It's been a real pleasure. I hope that you enjoy the show. 
If you'd uh, like to make any suggestions or get in contact or anything like that, why not check out our Facebook group at the Relaxed Dog Podcast Facebook group. We'd be happy to have you there. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.